covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us as uh, the Brewers continue to play good baseball. This past week, they wrap up a road trip where they go 8-2. and two. They take 2-3 of three in St. Louis to wrap up that series, then back at home over the weekend for a three-game series against Washington where they take 2-3. of three. After an off day on Monday, they'll play a three-game set against Cincinnati coming up on Tuesday, and then they are going to hit the road once again. More about that in a moment, but first off, our housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast. If you want to get in contact with me, the best way to do so is on Twitter, Find me at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And if you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast and can subscribe, that would be fantastic. Leaving a ranking and a review, very good as well. We're always trying to uh, hope that more and more people find this podcast, and that is the uh, one of the best ways for uh, that to be able to uh, happen. Hope everybody is continuing to be able to enjoy the uh, post-game show that we're now podcasting on this same podcast channel. Uh, yeah, I think it's called a channel, right? Podcast channel? Podcast feed? I don't know. Whatever it is, what you're listening to right now, uh, we are uh, podcasting the uh, post-game shows on a daily basis, but still doing uh, our weekly uh, online only. This show is uh, specifically made uh, in podcast form, not just a uh, p- upload of a radio show, I guess you could say. Anyways, uh, yeah, find me on Twitter, at Matt Pauly on air. Leave a ranking uh, review, and uh, everybody is uh, better for it, right? This week on the show, our featured guest, he is the sports director at CBS 58. He also serves as the Spanish language play-by-play voice for the Brewers and Packers preseason football, for that matter. He is uh, Kevin Holden. He is going to join us coming up in just a few moments. Things are continuing to go well for this Brewers team. It's it's really tough to find things to uh, to to be upset about. I guess from a uh, from a position of being concerned, you can be concerned about a couple injuries. Tyrone Taylor is going to be down uh, for upwards of a month as he's dealing with an oblique issue, and uh, he has been such an important part of this team. And you didn't want to see him go down. And by the time he comes back, there'll be you know a couple weeks left in uh, the regular season. You look at the schedule, by the way. I don't know if you realize this. After they play that three-game series against Cincinnati this upcoming week, there's only two homestands the rest of the way. There's just not a whole lot of baseball left to be played in the regular season. Hopefully there's a whole lot of baseball to be played uh, in the postseason. But Tyrone Taylor, he goes down during the Washington series and uh, as I'm recording this it is 11:01 p.m. on the evening of Sunday August 22nd as uh, I am recording this at this moment uh, we do not have any details on Eduardo Escobar we probably won't get details on Escobar until prior to Tuesday's game uh, you would think he it didn't look good with him running down the first baseline uh, and a hamstring is always something that you want to be careful with uh, you would think that he probably ends up on the injured list, and uh, that's a bummer for you know a because of what he's doing for this team, but b it's important for him to play at first base as much as possible to just get that experience. And uh, if he's going to go on the injured list, that's 
you know, minimum a week and a half where he's not able to uh, continue to get experience at first base. And the Brewers have not been getting the uh, production from Rowdy Telez here recently that they had been before. Maybe we see Daniel Vogel back, uh, back at some point in time because of the Escobar injury. He was transferred to the 60-day injured list on Sunday. However, he's been on the injured list about 60 days, so that really doesn't impact uh, the timeline on when he could potentially be activated. It does impact the implications of his return as they put him on the 60-day injury list to clear a 40-man roster spot. So now for him to uh, be reactivated, they would once again have to clear that same 40-man roster spot with another 40-man move. But you would think there's a good chance that that's going to end up happening at some point uh, in the relatively near future as it would appear that he is pretty close to uh, to being able to return. Uh, hopefully he does not suffer any type of uh, setback. I did not see anything that mentioned a setback with him going to the 60-day injury list. I think it was just a paper move to create the roster spot so Adrian Hauser could be reactivated uh, on Sunday. So a couple injury issues right now for the team. Uh, They're not as good against left-handed starting pitching. This is something that we've talked about a lot on the Brewers Externians postgame show. They just they don't score a ton of rounds runs and they have not been as successful against left-handed starters. Now Sunday, uh, that wasn't as much the case. They started uh, they played against a lefty. Uh, they had a lot handed to them in the walks that were issued uh, over the course of the game. The first few innings, they were somewhat quiet offensively. It's it's my belief that. Facing as many left-handers as possible down the stretch of the season is probably a good thing for this team, uh, just as they try to uh, find who's going to be successful against left-handers, what lineups work against left-handers, all of that, even if they're not as successful in the win-loss column. I, I feel like this is uh, the, the Brewers are en route to a division championship at this point. Uh, I'll be able to say that much more confidently when we're doing the podcast next week. Uh, as the Brewers go into uh, the week, they have a seven-and-a-half game lead on Cincinnati. So if Cincinnati were to come into Milwaukee and sweep that series, all of a sudden they would be within four and a half games with about a month left in the year, about five weeks left in the season. They're, they're right there. There's plenty of time at that point uh, for the Reds to potentially overtake the Brewers. I don't expect, and you know, not that it couldn't happen, anything can happen, and the Brewers have not been as successful against Cincinnati at home as they have been in Cincinnati. Uh, but I, I, don't, I don't think the Reds come in and sweep the Brewers and get within four and a half games in the division. I just don't. If I'm wrong, I'll I'll admit to it. I've got no problem admitting uh, when I'm wrong. That's for sure. But I just I think the Brewers are a better team than the Reds, and you you would love to see the Brewers say take two out of three and increase their division lead. But even if they lose two out of three, that's not the end of the world. Then all of a sudden you're still six and a half games up with about six weeks to go in the season. You're fine. You're you're in perfectly 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 uh, good shape. Continue to give a ton of credit to the Reds. Uh, You've heard me say it a million times, and and I still believe this. I think the Cardinals are a better team than the Reds. I do. But every time it feels like the Cardinals are on the cusp of uh, overtaking the Reds, the Reds win games and the Cardinals lose games. So at some point in time to, to channel our inner Bill Parcells and say you are what your record is, well, based off that, the Reds are a better team than the Cardinals. Uh, I I don't see it, but I give credit. I give credit where credit is due, and Cincinnati just keeps winning baseball games. So uh, credit to them and what they have been able to, uh, to do to uh, not just kind of get into pseudo-contention in the NL Central, but to be in playoff position. That's the other thing here. 
all of a sudden, if you're the Cincinnati Reds, you can make this run to try to catch the Brewers knowing that you are also currently holding a, a playoff spot. Again, as I am speaking to you at 11.06 now on Sunday, August 22nd is when we're recording this. The Reds are a full one game clear of the Padres holding on to that second wildcard spot. If the season were to end right now, it would be the Dodgers and the Reds playing in the uh, in the wild card for uh, for the uh, for the National League. Now the Dodgers still could potentially catch the Giants, as again we're uh, they're only two and a half games back of the Giants, and you feel like the Dodgers are a better team than the Giants, but you never know. I assume. Let's look at the schedule. This is something I probably should have looked up before we start talking about it. Uh, you would think that the Dodgers and Giants probably have some games against each other before all is said and done. Let's see if that is the case. It is. Dodgers and Giants are going to play three games against each other played in San Francisco Friday, Saturday, Sunday, September 3rd, 4th, and 5th. So those three games obviously will be huge on who's going to end up winning uh, the National League West. But for the National League Central, Brewers continue to be in uh, very good shape. They get good pitching. Uh, We saw Freddie Peralta deal with a little bit of a shoulder issue. They threw him on the injured list. Uh, They basically shut him down for three days. He was back throwing as of Sunday. So this is when you've got this kind of lead in the division like the Brewers have, it's a really good spot to be in because not that you take your foot off the pedal, but you're able to make decisions where you're kind of playing the long game, where you're not keeping Freddie Peralta active and trying to make sure that the moment his shoulder is healthy, that he's going to be right back in the rotation. You're able to get him on the injured list, give him a little bit of time, and maybe this ends up being a benefit to Peralta in a way. We've talked so much, and people are annoyed at times that we talk about this so much, but it is a thing. We have talked so much about uh, the innings pitched going from a 60-game season to a 162-game season. And when you talk about Freddie Peralta, it's even more pronounced. So he's at 121 in a third innings pitched. In his career at the major league level, he's never thrown more than 85 innings in a season. So he's at 121 and a third innings. I think I said that correctly a moment ago. 121 and a third innings is where uh, Peralta's at. And he's never thrown more than 85 at the major league level. Even when you count in the uh, the minor leagues and, and what he's done, uh, in 2019, between big league time and minor league time, he did not even get to 100 innings. Um, in 2018, he got to about 100 innings. So we're talking about somebody in 2017. That's uh, that's the year where he did that. That's let's see, he threw about 180 innings that year. So that's the year where he did throw uh, the most innings or the most, uh, yeah, yeah, the most innings uh, throughout his career. But it's just the the bottom line here is it is something to be very cognizant of. If you're the Brewers, is where his uh, pitch count is out and where his innings pitched is at. So him getting a little bit of a break here. They gave him a break around the All Star break. It, it, part of the uh, idea behind the six day rotation has been just trying to limit the overall innings that these uh, pitchers are handling over the course of the year. And I think the Brewers have done as good as we have seen injuries this year all over the place. I think the Brewers Brewers have done as good of a job as anybody uh, in being able to handle their pitchers and keep them as um, as healthy as possible. And if that if that can hold up for the next five six weeks, 
and they can go into the postseason with a really healthy pitching staff, then we all clearly understand that with those top three pitchers, this team has the absolute ability to go on a really good run in the postseason and maybe play uh, at the absolute highest level and be competing for a championship, which would be obviously very, very cool. One other quick thing to mention, I, I, I can't be doing this without uh, mentioning this guy and just the impact. You know, We talked about the injuries. Well, Tyrone Taylor being out, that gets mitigated a little bit if Christian Yelich is going to go out and, and play the way that he has been playing here recently. And uh, obviously he had the big two home run game, which included the grand slam, and that was kind of the moment where people felt like, all right, maybe he's back. The renaissance of Christian Yelich really goes back all the way to August 11th. Uh, in the 11 games since August 11th, he has a hit in all but one. The one game he did not have a hit in, he only got one at bat because he came up as a pinch hitter, did ground into a double play. Uh, multiple hits in five of those games. Uh, when you break down, and again, this is very much augmented by the uh, – he had, he had the two-home run game in there, clearly, and then he also had uh, a game against Pittsburgh where he got a couple doubles. Uh, and those two games do a lot to, to kind of augment the overall numbers when you're talking about an 11-game sample size. But in the 11 games going back to August 11th, in the 11 games since then, Christian Yelich is hitting 356, two home runs, 10 RBIs, and 938 OPS. So uh, this is something that... Uh, it's, it's more than just the weekend against Washington where he looked good. This goes back a little bit to the road trip, uh, really starting uh, during the Cubs series. And through the Cubs series, the Pirates series, the Cardinals series, and the Washington series, he has continued to swing a much better bat. And that is a very, very, very good development for this Brewers team. All right, uh, let's get to our featured conversation this week. Uh, we are very happy to welcome on to the podcast. He is the sports director over at uh, CBS 58. You also hear him as the Spanish language play-by-play broadcaster for the Brewers and also for Packers preseason football on Telemundo, Wisconsin. You can follow him on Twitter at 321QKevin. He is uh, Kevin Holden returning to the podcast. Hey, Kevin, thanks so much for taking a little bit of time with us today. How are you? Matt, doing fantastic. What a what a great time of year. You've got the uh, Packers regular season coming up, the Brewers in the middle of a chase. I think we're still all riding the high from the Bucks championship. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. No, it doesn't. It's a lot of fun. Real quick, before we like get into serious stuff, you recently got the uh, the check mark on uh, on Twitter. Congratulations. Oh, it's, okay. It's it's pretty amazing because I joked, you know, I mean, you know, my my old Twitter handle had the words blue check mark because Twitter had turned me down so many times for the blue check mark. I didn't think it was going to be anything. And then uh, someone convinced me there's a different way to apply. So I gave it a shot. And uh, yeah, one, one morning I wake up and it's uh, yeah, verified has followed you back. And, and we, we joke now that membership has its privileges. You don't have to wait in restaurants anymore. You know, there's, 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 there's a lot of good things associated with it. I'm still waiting on mine. I applied like well over a month ago, and uh, they have not gotten back to me yet. I have to think that the fact that it's taking so long is probably a good sign, but who knows? They're deliberating. They've got to be. Did you? Uh, there's there's some version of it where you you have to upload your driver's license or something like that. Did you did you do that one? No, I did the one where I gave them links to my writing at wtmj.com to prove that I'm a journalist. 
What is that? That should be automatic. I mean, people that follow you, that, that know your work, that know what you do, somebody's got to know somebody in the Twitter office. If anybody's listening to this podcast that, that has a friend at the Twitter office, make this happen for this man. Let's, let's have a mutual blue checkmark party. Yeah, you know what? Maybe I should get – if I get the blue check mark and it's not like in the next two weeks, if it's like three months from now, I'm going to ask you back on and we can celebrate together once I get the blue check mark. Oh, it's, yeah, it's great. There's this special uh, wine that they make for it, the celebratory wine. <laughs> we, should, we should sip on that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, so how was, uh, how was doing uh, four hours of Spanish-language play-by-play Sunday afternoon? Yeah, uh, it's uh, – there was – there were a couple of moments where, where it was like, okay, this thing needs to speed up. And, and usually in a, in a broadcast, obviously you're, you know, you're following the action and, and doing your best to try to, you know, fill in some background details, paint a little more of the picture for the viewers, that kind of thing. There was a point when it was 7-3 in the ninth inning and, uh, and they had a couple of guys on and Juan Soto was coming up. I did something kind of uncharacteristic. Toby Milner has been on the mound. It was his second inning, and I turned to Jaime Cano, our color guy, and I said, okay, that's enough. It's time for Josh Hader. <laughs> like just, it's time to end this game, man. It was, that was a lot. But it was nice to see the Brewers come out on the, on the good end. They were patient. That was, that was important. It, it did make the game go a while, but uh, all those walks did help. We can actually blame Ben Sheets, and this is why. So uh, I moonlight sometimes doing uh, TV stats for the Bally Sports Wisconsin broadcast. I was in uh, the TV booth uh, on Sunday, and Sheets is being interviewed, and the first two outs of his inning were on like six pitches, and he made a joke about how fast it was going, and you know they need to slow things down because you know this is his time on TV making a joke. And from the moment he made that joke, the game could not have moved any slower. Oh, so it's so it's his fault. It's Ben yeah. Sheets' fault. Yep. Okay. I can I can deal with that. Well, it's funny because you can see as you're doing TV stats, you you would be able to see this. There is a specific line of demarcation in that game. In the first two innings of the game, the Brewers had five hits, and they were rockets off of Sean Nolan. There was the homer by Wong and then four singles that were just roped. And the Brewers got one run out of those five hits. Then there's a stretch pretty much right after what you're talking about with Sheets, because we actually had your broadcast on in our booth. Don't tell anybody. Um, so we, I know when Sheets was on. Uh, there was a stretch starting in the fourth inning, where the Brewers had six runs on two hits. It was it was two runs on one hit, two runs on no hits, two runs on one hit. So they, they, they were scoring runs, but they were getting walked in, basically, or other ways that they were scoring. So, yeah, he slowed that game down, that's for sure. Yep. He did. It's all on Ben Sheets, so we can uh, we can move forward from there. Uh, from a bigger picture standpoint, we we know this team's record. We know this team's ability to have come from behind wins, but it feels like we're at a point now as this team has a pretty big lead in the division. And obviously, the you know the old don't count the the eggs before they hatch or the chickens before the eggs hatch, whatever the cliche is. Uh, they they haven't won anything yet, and they've got Cincinnati coming in for a three game series. So uh, Cincinnati can play their way back in the division, especially if they do well in that series. But it does feel like, and I, I would include myself on this, there is some 
shifting towards looking and trying to almost prognosticate how this team would fare in the postseason. So as you look at it and just with the watching as much baseball as you've watched through your time, how do you feel like this team does uh, fare up as in terms of what they could potentially do in the postseason this year? I always look at two things when, when we start talking about a team in the postseason. One is how does a one, two, three in a rotation match up with other one, two, threes? You know, is it, do you have three effective guys that you can plug in? And these days, a lot of times it's four when you're talking about a seven game series, but you look at one, two, three, and I don't know if there's ever been a time in this franchise's history where I have felt more confident about a one, two, three, as long as they're all healthy, because I know Freddie Peralta has his issue going on right now. But if he's healthy, it's Peralta and Burns and Woodruff. And I might feel the most confident about those three of any one, two, three in the National League, even the guys in L.A. And that says a ton about what's happened at this Brewers organization the last few years, the things that they've done, uh, you know, and what they've been able to do with their pitching staff. That's incredible. The other is you you want obviously you want a team that gets in and gets hot. So the thing that you don't want, I've always felt, is a team that got really, really hot early-ish in the year and then got super cold this time of year. And and for me, the Brewers passed that test in this moment, you know, as we're, we still have some weeks left in the season. But they went on the road. They won a fair number of games on the road. That last road trip was was tremendous. They took two out of three from the Nationals. Reds are coming into town, so there's to me there's no issue with them being cold, uh, you know, going in. And hopefully September doesn't have the wheels come off. But those two things in combination make me think there's one other team in my mind that could compete with the Brewers that, that would be a terrific seven-game set. That's the Dodgers. Anybody else, the Brewers have the edge in my mind. And what a great place for them to be because that's not usually where they are. Yeah. I'm... I've been thinking a lot about this because I I hear people say outlandish things and I go, those people don't understand the history of baseball when they say it. And I've been having these thoughts recently and I feel like they should be outlandish and I'm not sure if they are. In my lifetime, I'm in my late 30s, I'm thinking about the best trio of starting pitchers in a single season. And obviously you got to think about the Braves with Smoltz, Glavin, Maddox. I think you think about some of those teams for the Yankees in the late 90s when it's uh, Pettit and, and Clemens was there and Cone. Um, but when, th- and when you think about duos, you, you think about the Diamondbacks with like Johnson and, and Schilling when they were together. And, and I probably haven't done as much research as I need. And obviously all those guys I just mentioned from a big picture standpoint, those guys are Hall of Fame caliber guys. And this staff right now, none of those guys have, have clearly accomplished any of that. But when you're looking at single season, you got three guys who have basically had top five ERAs in baseball this year. That's just something... That doesn't happen. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable, and that's unbelievable at any level. In other words, you know, the Yankees and the Dodgers, and you know, the Chicago teams and whatever, they, they can buy their way into rotations. But even all of that money can't buy uh, the results that the top three have given the Brewers this year. That's that's why, to me, it's such an incredible find because it's not that you paid thirty million dollars a year or more for a Clayton Kershaw or a Trevor Bauer or whoever. This is this is homegrown, this is home-produced. This is, I mean, in, in Peralta's case, I know 
you know, way back there was a trade involving Adam Lynn, so he wasn't technically drafted by the Brewers. But these three guys are products of the system, and it's it's tremendous for what is down the road because young pitchers in the system see this, and I think it's one of those winning begets winning sort of things. The Cardinals did this forever. They they would produce one or two great pitchers uh, year after year, and I think it, it's a, it's a mindset. It's something that starts with a few guys and, and works its way down. So. Yeah, the pitching, the fact that they've got a, such a good bullpen and such a great rotation makes me think this team is on par with 2018, maybe just a touch better. I think it depends on you know what bats are hot or not, but they're at that level in that. And one of those bats that has been hot recently is Christian Yelich. And it's been going on for a while. Everybody kind of focuses in on the last couple days. He had the two uh, home run game, obviously. But you can go back his last 11 games, and he's hitting better than 350 during that period. Uh, He hit the couple home runs. He had the big six RBI game. His overall numbers since then are very, very, very much augmented by that one single game. But overall, his numbers since about August 11th, have been pretty solid, and if if you get that version of Christian Yelich for the rest of the way, isn't that, that's a that's a game changing sort of thing for this team? Man, you, that that's the sort of thing. Let's say let's just enter a fantasy world here and say that the twenty twenty one Cincinnati Reds got that guy. Uh, I think they can start thinking about the postseason. I mean, he's the guy that changes it that much. They go from. You know, a team, in the Reds case, they would go from a team on the fringe to a team that's in. In the Brewers case, they go from a team that's looking like a pretty good lock to get in to a team that looks like a pretty, uh, you baseball's postseason can't say it's a, a good lock, but they're as good as lock as any to win the National League pennant if they have Yelich at that level. And you were, you're totally right, Matt. You've had people forever talking about, wanting to get that Yelich back. But that Yelich has slowly been creeping back. The bunt uh, base hit was a thing. The the two-homer game, obviously, was the, the breakout moment. But you could see him. His approach at the plate is a little bit different. The confidence is a little bit different. Like, it's for a little while I've been thinking that uh, that maybe that Yelich was on its way back. And I think this weekend showed us that, that that's a possibility now. All right, so we are talking on Sunday night. Since August 11th, he has appeared in 11 games. He has hits in 10 of those 11 games. The only game that he doesn't have a hit in was a game where the first game of the Washington series where he came up as a pinch hitter. Admittedly, he did ground into a double play, but the other 10 of his last 11, he has at least one hit. He has multiple hits in five of those games. In that 11-game span, he's hitting 356. He has 10 RBIs. He's slugging 556, and he is an OPS of 938. Kevin, that's a whole lot more than just two games worth of production. That's right. That's a that's a middle-of-the-order guy. That's a guy that you can depend on to help carry the offense and stretches if he holds those numbers up. The other thing is where he hits the ball, because I still have those images from 2018, September 2018 specifically, of Yelich hitting homers into the Brewers' bullpen. He was a, a, a opposite field type of guy, left-center power type of guy. And even that ground out as a pinch hitter was a rope hit toward that side of the field, just to the, to the uh, left field side of, of second base. And, I, and I'm thinking, like, when he makes content, I'm thinking, oh, oh, boy, but he just got on top of it a little bit. And that's, uh, to me, that's where he's locked in, is that uh, the yellows that you see foul a lot of pitches off down the third base side, to me, 
is when Yelich is close to, to breaking out. And, uh, and that's where he was even in these games leading up and where he's been. If he's missing, he's not missing by much, and he's missing that way. So uh, I, I think that power is going to come. Then if he goes to left center enough and pitchers then try to come inside, then he can turn on one and he's got power to, you know, obviously to pull the ball as well. But, yeah, I, I just – the profile looks really good for him right now. Yeah, it, it really does. Um the the one bad thing about the weekend was two injuries. Tyrone Taylor is going to be out for maybe a month or so, uh, so that's going to be it's going to be well late into the season by the time he returns. As we're talking, we don't know about Eduardo Escobar. He's getting an MRI on Sunday night. We probably won't learn the results of that until before the game on Tuesday. But it didn't look good. I would not. I would be shocked if it's anything but an injured listant. You can sit here and be worried about these core players not being with the team. But at the same time, this team has dealt with so much adversity this year, and it seems like nothing's ever been anything much more than a speed bump for them. Yeah, and they, they find guys. You know, they don't have to spend a ton of money to find guys to fill these spots. This is what, you know, what Robbie Tellez has been. He was a guy that, that they acquired in the trade and, you know, for, for not very much, and, and he's been a guy who can help for them. And so, if he's fine at first, if he gets a lot of at-bats at first and Luis Arias gets a lot of at-bats at third, that'll absorb the loss of Escobar. By the way, i got to tell you a funny story about uh, the, the Escobar thing. Obviously, not funny that the injury happened, but he was the last batter of an inning today, and then he was replaced when they made the switch. They brought a pitcher in, and they left Tellers in the game. And my producer, Aaron, pointed to, to Escobar in, the, in, in my you know, scorebook. And, and he, he wrote on a piece of paper, he wrote the word hammy, question mark. And I looked at him, no, it wasn't a hammy. Like, was it, there wasn't that. And he, <laughs> it was like, I glared at him and he glared right back at me like, oh, yes, it was. <laughs> so I, I clearly missed that when it happened. I just thought it was a regular double switch. Yeah, you had to really be paying attention because he... He grimaced running down the first baseline, but he didn't actually slow down that much, which was kind of odd. Yeah, so the, you know the thought is like, all right, it's it's nothing big, and especially in that in that situation, okay, you're gonna you're gonna switch out. You have Tellez; he's a good enough hitter. You can leave him in the lineup. Uh, you know, it, it seemed to me like it would be okay, but yeah, it's it's become over time here. It's become uh, a little more obvious that it, that it's probably something a little deeper than that. Hopefully not. Hopefully. It's just a week or two because uh, I think Escobar is a, a spark plug type of player for this team, a guy that's, uh, you know, that can, can hit the ball for power, can play first, can play third. He fills a lot of needs. Last time we had you on the podcast, we talked a lot about just the process of being the the Spanish language play by play guy and you know, going through the pandemic and not having crowds. And you've done a lot of stuff in studio, you know, for your CBS Fifty Eight job. You've done a lot uh, working at home. How how nice is it for you to be back inside of a ballpark with uh, you know almost a capacity crowd? For an example, on Sunday, being able to do the games but have the the correct soundtrack and be in the middle of it. How nice has that been for you? Yeah, man, you you hit that right on the head. In fact, it came into play today in the very first inning of the game because that, that was a nice crowd today. It was a huge crowd Saturday night, but it's still a, a nice crowd today. And uh, as, as they were settling in and as Hauser was, was doing his thing early on, I, there, there just seemed like there was an extra buzz in that stadium. Like the noise level was just up, you know, not the, not the cheering for hits, but just between pitches, you know, the excitement level was up a little bit. 
And I, I turned to, to Jaime in the first inning and I said, that is the air of a, of a group that's starting to think about October baseball. And, and he stops and he goes, yeah, it sounds a little different, doesn't it? And, and that's something that you could not and cannot gauge if you're not in the room or you don't have a crowd. Like it's just, it's impossible to do. And, and we harken back to last year, Alec Mills threw that no hitter for the Cubs. We had that. That was a Telemundo broadcast. And, how in the world do you capture that moment when they're at the stadium celebrating, you're in the studio looking at it on the monitor, and yeah. there are no fans, so there is no noise. Like, would there have been booze? I don't know. So it's, it was, you know, you're, you're kind of eyes and ears for the people, and you're feeding off of what you see and what you hear. Uh, I, I think I have a deeper appreciation for it now that we're actually able to see and hear these guys again. There's still some uh, some carriage disputes between uh, Sinclair, Bally Sports, and and different uh, different outlets that provide cable service and, and cable channels to to folks. Are you getting the sense that maybe more eyes are on your Telemundo broadcast this year than in past years? It's possible. I think there may be. You know, and I don't I don't have a sense of what the actual numbers are, but but how I can gauge it usually is uh, is interaction, whether it's email, sometimes it's a phone call. And it's, it's people asking, it's people sort of what they would refer to as sampling, right? They, they call or they email and they say, hey, we, uh, we, we can only see these games over the air right now. Uh, when's your next game? And that you know, tells me that they're, they're not regular viewers of the Telemundo broadcast, but they're starting to check us out. And, yeah, I've fielded more of those this year than I have in a while, uh, which is, hey, it's great. I, I love it. I, I would be very happy if all of the disputes were sorted and done, and everybody could watch the Brewers how they wanted to. I, I think that's the natural order of things. But if we get a few extra, you know, uh, English speaking eyes on the Telemundo broadcast, we, we drop an occasional English word or two in there. <laughs> we have our, our producer doesn't speak any Spanish at all, so we have to speak to him in English. Do you, so you just got to jump back. That like that's that's a tough thing to do. I am not bilingual. I want to learn Spanish every once in a while. I'll start with like. The, the Rosetta Stone or the, the Duolingo thing, the app that uh, I've got that thing downloaded and I'll do it for like two or three days and then I'll stop. I need to be much more disciplined, but I got to think, even if I ever do learn Spanish, I feel like I'll either be in Spanish or I won't be. The going in between seems very challenging to me. What will happen sometimes is, is there will be a, a funny word or a funny kind of turn of phrase that'll that'll sound... That, that I'll think of in English and I won't think of the translation immediately, right, in Spanish. And so there have been a couple of times where I've, <laughs> I, I've just let it slip in English, just let a thing slip. Today was, uh, it happened, Carter Keboom hit a homer, right? He, he just turned on one and sent it into the seats and left, right? And uh, <laughs> I did, before I even realized what I said, he turned on the ball and I said, Keboom, kaboom, solo homer. And it was in English. <laughs> And Jaime's looking to be like, dude, come on, man. <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> that is funny. Well, Kevin, uh, we'll we'll finish on uh, on that note again. We uh, encourage everybody to uh, check you out on uh, on CBS fifty eight. Follow you on Twitter at three two one Q Kevin. That's C U E Kevin for folks who don't know how to spell uh, Q. Which, if you're not in the business, you might not know how to spell that. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much for your time, and look forward to uh, talking to you again real soon. Man, it's always a blast. Thanks for having me on. And, and man, I'm hoping we're doing a postseason version of this. That would be fantastic. That is Kevin Holden joining us here on Brewers X Journeys, the podcast powered 
by WTMJ Mobile. And that's going to uh, do it for uh, this edition of the podcast. Again, huge series coming up. Uh, Brewers play three against Cincinnati. Uh, Brewers have a substantial lead in the division. You know Cincinnati's got these three games circled as an opportunity for them to get back into the divisional race. If the Brewers can take two out of three from Cincinnati, uh, they would get back above eight games ahead of them. And uh, that would... uh, it wouldn't completely bury them, but it would pretty close to it. Uh, even if Cincinnati takes two out of three, they've still got a pretty good hole to climb. But if the Reds were to sweep that series, then all of a sudden it looks a little bit different uh, because all of a sudden they're within four, four and a half games of the Brewers. And, and at that point, it certainly seems like uh, they're right there in it with about a month or a month or so left in the season. So there are there are definite implications to this series against the Reds coming up and uh, we'll see how it all ends up uh, playing out uh, for the Brewers but this is you're supposed to be playing games that matter in late August early September and in all of September and uh, that's uh, that's what the Brewers are doing and it's a lot of fun pitching matchups uh, by the way in the series Burns against Malley in game one Woodruff against Castillo in game two Anderson against Gray in game number three. All right, uh, thanks to Kevin Holden for joining us. Thanks to you for being tuned in. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again very, very soon for another edition of Brewers Externing the Podcast, powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.